listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tbcweb.com. Well, hello, everybody. It's good to see you all here at the Hastings campus, and if you're joining us online, and all you guys in Delton, I hear you rowdy. Hello to you. Hello to everybody in Middleville. Glad you're with us. Hey, um, I got a question for you. This is for everybody. Have you ever seen something that maybe is mechanical in nature or electronic, and you looked at it, it was really cool, and you thought to yourself, have you ever had this thought, how the heck does that work? How does that thing actually work? I've had those thoughts many times. Now, I know some of you are saying, you know, I actually never have those thoughts because I have enough stuff in my head and I don't want to know any more facts and figures. I'm, I'm not interested in that. And I get that because I've actually said that myself. But sometimes, in fact, I would actually say probably more often than you think, it's kind of critical that you actually know, at least at some level, how things that you're working with, how stuff works. Now, now for a lot of us, it's, it's uh, you know, it's kind of second nature. You're, you're bent that way. You have a curious spirit, and you look at stuff, and you're you're kind of poking at it, trying to figure out how it works, how it operates, and then there's all the rest of us. And I would say I'm in that crowd, and I'm more just like, hey, it works. Thank God for that, you know, and get somebody else to fix it when it needs to be fixed. I, I, was, I just got this by observation. But I think my grandson, Abe, and I have, I have a picture. I've talked about him before, but he's such a great kid, you know, isn't he beautiful? And, and I think I've observed that he's one of these people that has a very curious very interested in knowing how stuff works, spirit. Now you ask me, how can, how can it, you know that an 18-month-old kid has something like that? I can tell you because when he comes to our house, everything he gets in his hands, he takes apart. And he looks at it, and he's, he's doing something, mostly what I would consider it is he's destroying stuff. When he comes to our house, he destroys large volumes of stuff. He gets it in his hand. It doesn't matter what it is. He gets it in his hand, and he starts tearing it apart. Anybody ever had a kid like that? God bless their hearts. And at first, you know, when I, when I would see, he'd come over to the house, and I'd have to follow him all around. I'd think, this kid doesn't have a curious spirit. This kid's just a little destruction machine. And I'm following him around, trying to stop him from destroying. But my wife... His grandmother, who believes that all her grandchildren are geniuses, says, no, it is not him being destructive. He's doing his work. He's learning. And you know, it's interesting because, you know, she'll say this and I'll be like, no, he's just destroying stuff in our house because when he leaves, it's not, you know, no, no, he's learning. You watch him. And so, you know, I try to listen to her and I I watch him and I have observed that while he's tearing stuff apart, he's He's, he, he's seeing how it works while he destroys things. He's seeing how it works. You know, it's interesting, though, because um, he loves our front load washer and dryer. Um, it, he, from, when, as soon as he could walk, he would, he'd love to just stand and look in through the, plex, you know, the glass, of what, plastic, whatever it is, and see this stuff going around. And then when he got tall enough, it's got the buttons on the front, 
And he loves to push buttons. That kid knows how to push my buttons, I can tell you. All the ones in our, in fact, when he leaves the house, we have to reset almost all the electronics if he's got his hands anywhere near them. But I was watching one day, I was just standing, I was at the laundry room and he was in there playing. And he's reaching up and he's on the dryer and he's just pushing all these buttons, you know, because he knows sometimes you push buttons, something will happen. So he's just pushing them. And then he hits the on button and it just stopped him in his tracks because the lights came on and then he had in a furious, like he's just pushing every other button on there. And I was like, okay, well, we'll just have to reset everything after he leaves is what we do every week. And then I watched the most amazing thing because I watched this little 18-month-old boy. He went over to the washer. Now, the, the button arrays are very similar. And he reached up and he pushed a couple buttons. And then I saw him lean, kind of, lean back and look over at the dryer and then he reached up and hit that on button just like a pro. He is a genius. <laughs> a destructive genius, but he's, a, he's, he's trying to learn how things work. Now that experience taught us a couple things. One, that he's a genius, and number two, that there actually is a child lock feature on our wash and dryer, which is a gift from heaven. Now actually, I think more of us should be like Abe, not in so much that we're destroying everything we touch, but that we have a curious spirit. Because the truth is, is that the people that dig down, that learn how things work, they somehow seem to do fairly consistently better in life. Because sometimes, and you know this, I mean, eventually everything breaks. Is that true? Doesn't matter what it is, it breaks. Now, sometimes it breaks because that's just how life works. Things break. But sometimes things break because of what you don't know about how it works. Had perfect example of this in my own life in the last couple months. So we have a dishwasher. And uh, the dishwasher, uh, Ann came to me several times. Of course, I would just be like, I don't want to hear it. You know, she'd say, it's not drying the dishes like it should. And it's, I don't think the water's getting hot enough. And I'm like, okay, okay, you know. And so after a while, I finally said, I got to look at it. And I looked at it and I thought, okay, probably the heating element in the bottom of it's not working. And I thought to myself, you know, I mean, I'm fairly mechanical. Uh, and so I think I could work on this. So I thought, I'll look at some YouTube videos. Aren't they wonderful, YouTube videos? I mean, you, we become repair people of things that we never would have touched before. But while I was reading, I learned something about our dishwasher that I never knew. It has a filter, a filter in it. Did any of you know that in the dish? I never knew that. And see, Ann and I are of the club that we believe that you don't wash your dishes and then put them in the dishwasher and wash them a second time. We just take them off the table and stick them in the dishwasher. It's his job to do the cleaning. That's how we've always felt. So when I learned that that thing had a filter, I, I turned it, pulled it out, and it was the most horrible thing I've ever seen in my life. And I learned very quickly what I didn't know cost me money and a lot of time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If I'd have known just a little bit. See, I always feel like when we get an appliance, the instruction manual is what you store in an envelope for later when you're desperate and things have broken. Instead of just learning how stuff works, I think... I think sometimes you can get away with not knowing how stuff works, but eventually, at some point, this is the way it is with everything in life. There's going to be breakage or damage or whatever you want to call it. It's going to come, and it just happens. So Jesus tells this great story, I think, that is instructive and illustrates this. We'll take a look at it. It's found in Matthew chapter 7, and he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man 
who build his house on the rock. Now notice the next sentence because this is very important. So the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not what? It did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone, Jesus says, who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Now notice the next sentence. It's the same exact words. It doesn't matter where you build your house, the same thing's going to happen. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, they beat against the house, but it fell with a great crash. Now obviously Jesus is saying, you need to listen to my words and you need to put them into practice. I think there's a little more here. What I think is instructive here is he's saying, you need to know how to build your life well. You need to know where to build it, what to build it on, what to look for, what to change. You need to know how it works so that it will have success when the storms come because inevitably all storms will come. So you need to know how stuff works. So today we're beginning a series. It's just a three-part series called How Stuff Works. And it's not going to be about how everything works. I've, you know, I've given you the extent of my appliance issues now. It's not going to be about any of that. Actually, we're... I think all of us should have a curious spirit, and I work towards that, but we're going to narrow this down to just one thing. We're going to, over the next three weeks, talk about how one thing works and how important it is. And this is something that in the past, in the United States, was of great importance, and it was very influential, and it was viewed with great respect. In more recent years, in the U.S. and much of the Western world, this thing that we're going to talk about, how it works, became increasingly something that people disdained, that they found meaningless, that they they felt had no purpose, was unimportant, and now sometimes is even considered dangerous. Anybody care to guess what I want to talk about over these three weeks? The Christian church. The Christian church. It's interesting when you think about it. I want to be clear now when, I'm, when I say we're going to talk, over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about the Christian church, not just TVC, but the church, the global church, Christians. And when I say the Christian church, you need to understand I'm not talking about some official organization. The church actually is made up of, can anybody tell me? People. The church actually is. People are the church, if you want to say it that way. So when you talk about the, the Christian church, You want to know what I find most amazing about it? That it even exists. That's that's the truth. I find it amazing that the Christian church even exists because it's like you think about it, even a cursory glance tells you that it's kind of, it never should have lasted. It starts out 2,000 and some years ago. It's a handful of people who are hiding out in Jerusalem because of their connection with Jesus Christ, whom they believe had died and then risen from the dead. And these people, they're hiding They're unsophisticated, they're uneducated, they're ordinary people. And not only were they the ones that were in this group, but they were the leaders of it as well. And when you compare it to any institution over the ages, like governments or big business or universities that would last, some of them for hundreds and hundreds of years, amazing things, the church, it shouldn't have lasted for even a year or two. It was just set up to fail. It's crazy. You think about it. It's a handful of people meeting, and they're uneducated. They have no system. They, I, mean, I mean, like they have no business model. You know how the church has always funded what it does? Through followers of Jesus giving their money for that purpose. It's not like taxes. Nobody has 
Trust me, I know this. I've been pastoring for 41 years, all right? Giving is not like taxes. Nobody has to do it, and often people don't. And it's like, it's a setup for it not to work. How is the church still working? This crazy group of Jesus followers, I'll tell you another thing about it. It's not like it's some homogenous group that they all just see things alike. And they're, I mean, the, the Christian church is made up of every kind of race and creed and ideology and person. In fact, it's insane. I think about it sometimes. How could it last? I think about that with our church, just TVC out here in rural Berry County. We have so much variety and how people see things politically, and how they see things on so many issues sometimes, and you've heard me say this, I hope this person over here never meets that person over there, at least in a service, because I don't want bloodshed, you know, in the auditorium. It's like, it's so crazy. From every appearance, Christians and Christianity seems to be built on a recipe for disaster. How can it last? It can't. It won't. And yet, 2,000 years later, when countries and governments and businesses and everything else, as inevitably, when they have failed, the Christian church is still here all over the world. And that is an amazing thing when you think about it. I mean, you can say what you want about Christianity. You may not buy into it. You may say, I think the whole thing is crazy, and I get that. But there's something about this thing that has lasted too thousand years. And this group of people, these Christians, over the ages, they have been battered and bruised and beaten and sometimes killed and martyred. They've had all kinds of bad stuff happen to them, not to mention the stupid stuff that they've done to themselves. The church is made up of people, and people are a mess, and so we hurt each other, and we hurt people around us. And it's like, how can the church actually, I mean, you, how can it keep going? How does this how does this work that the church is still in existence these days? Well, that question has layers and layers of answers. But probably the first thing that most Christians would respond by saying is, is that it's not about who's in the church. It's about who holds the church. Christians believe that the church was built by and is held by Jesus Christ. Amen? Christ followers, that's what the church is about. It's about Jesus. That is the bottom line for it. It's not the people who comprise it. It's the one who holds it in his hands. I want you to look at a, a portion of scripture where we talk about how the church works. It's very instructive. Jesus has this conversation with his disciples one day. And let's take a look at it. It's found in Matthew chapter 16. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, when he said the Son of Man, he often referred to himself that way. So he was, in effect, saying, who do people say I am? And so they replied, well, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So, in other words, we think you're a reincarnation. They think you're a reincarnation of somebody that was famous, that they had known about, that they had writings from. So Jesus says, what about you guys? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, he said, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. In other words, he was saying, you are God. And Jesus responded and said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And Peter, another word for Peter is rock. He says, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not overcome it. Now this is interesting. 
Because a lot of people have looked at this and said, well, Jesus was saying that he would build the Christian church on the guy named Peter. Because his name was, you know, it, it, it meant rock. But what Jesus was saying, and no place else in Scripture would agree with this at all, that the church has been built on a single man. What Jesus was saying is, Peter, I am build, I'm going to build the church around the revelation that you just had, that I am God. Now listen, because this is very important for you to understand. This is the bottom line. This is precisely how the church is built and how it works. And it's so critical to understand. It is not about how good we are or how well we do in the world. It is about a relationship with God. Would you say that out loud with me? Middleville, you guys say it too. A relationship with God. This is what the church is founded on. It's not a philosophy of living. It's not just be a good person. It's not just do good things. I remember once I, I was a, uh, in my early teen years and I was trying to live for God. And I, I was with, a, he was a relative. He was old enough to be my parent. Uh, he wasn't. And I was with him in a car and we were talking about life. And I said to him, I just, I just want to be a good Christian. What I was saying was, I just want to be a f- good follower of Jesus. And I'll never forget this. He looked at me and he said, Just be a good man, and you'll be a good Christian. And I remember thinking, even then, when I didn't know that much, that doesn't sound right. He was saying, if you just be a good person, that means you're a good Christian. And there is so much confusion in the world thinking that that's what the church is about. The church is not about us being good people. It is about, let's say it together, a relationship with God. It's about a relationship with God, about you having a God connection The reason that I want to give this talk, the reason that I'm so passionate about it, is that I think the church gets sometimes very confused about what it's about. It's like we get we we think it has to be about this or it has it's not about how good we are. What's kept the church going all these years is not its unique culture. I mean, it's not its music, it's not how people dress. When I was a kid and you went to church, you wore a coat and tie. Anybody remember that? Old people, you remember that? A handful of you do. Now, people dress like slobs when they go to church, including me. It's not about how you dress. It's not about how good you are. It's not about what kind of songs you sing or whether you have lights in a certain way or whether you have fog in your church service or how the seats are, what it looks like, the building. None of that matters. It is about, say it with me one more time, a relationship with God. This is how The church actually works. It is not how good a preacher is. It is not how good the music is. Is it about people encountering God and then making a connection with God? And that connection, that experience changes them, sometimes very slowly. I would put myself in the category of a slow learner. I actually wish I, sometimes I look at my own life and I go, you're... You're 64 and a half years old and you've been pastoring for four. You should be more mature than you are. Anybody ever felt that way? I'm not talking about me, but I mean about yourself. (laughs) You should be further along. Some, Some of us are slow, but when you have an encounter with God, even if it's just small growth, you are being changed. And this is fundamentally how the church works. At TVC, we understand that it absolutely, what matters more than anything else is that people are building a relationship with God, that they're connecting with God. So we've actually made that our mission statement. This is the mission statement at TVC. 
Four words. Say them with me. Connecting people with God. This is what we are about. This is what the Christian church is to be about. Because when that happens, wherever it is in the world, however it looks, churches look so many different ways. Churches can be all kinds of, they can be small groups meeting in a home. They can be large groups meeting in a large facility. It doesn't matter what it is. But the church is when people make a connection with God. That's what counts. That's where everything starts. And as I said, some of you may be listening to this say, I don't even know if I believe in God. And I pray that you figure that out, that you learn it. We honor and respect where you're at. But for those of us who have encountered God, we would tell you this, that everything changed when we had a connection with him. It is our relationship with him that makes the difference. It's not the church we attend. It's not the building we go to or the people we know. It is our relationship with God. So in this short series, it's going to be pretty simple. It's about what makes the church work, how it works, how it stays healthy and strong. And this first message is, to me, this is just as important a thing as I can ever say to anybody. It is about you. You know, I I don't know, maybe I'm going to go off on a rabbit trail here for a second, but sometimes I just feel like Like people think if I become a Christian, I just have to suddenly be a good person. I, most Christians I know, they're just goofed up people like everybody else. And so when you get a bunch of them together and you call it a church, what you have is a bunch of goofed up people together. And we think somehow that must, we must be doing something wrong because we don't have our act together and we don't have everything figured out. But that is not central to what Christianity is. It is about a relationship with God. And then there, starting there, when you and I make that connection with God, that's when stuff starts to change. And so let me just time out and ask you a question. Do you have a connection with God? Not did you, but do you have a connection with God? Do you have an ongoing intimate relationship with God? Because nothing for the follower of Jesus, nothing is more important than that thing. Do you have that? You know, likening the church to a building, Paul wrote about it. In Ephesians chapter 2, this is what he said. He said, in him, he's referring to Jesus. Now he's talking about Christians in the church. He says, the whole building, in him, the whole building is joined together, and it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And what are those next two words? In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. It doesn't say you become a holy temple when you become super nice people and when you have your act together. It says when you are in him, it is a relationship with God that matters. Sometimes I think we've just missed that as a church. It's only in him, the connection with him. That's what changes us. That's what helps us grow And in the next couple weeks, we're going to talk about this in in more detail. But I want to just, in this talk, I just want to give you two challenges, all right? Because because I really, I mean, I want you to answer this question. Do you have a God connection? Not do you say, I believe there's a God, 
But do you have a connection with God? Do you have a relationship? Because that is what we are about as Christians, as a church. And if that's going to happen and happen in a healthy way, I think there are two things, and I'm just going to challenge you on these. Just, you just think about them, okay? I think if we're going to be really healthy as Christians, one of the things we have to do is you just have to, I'm so strong, you have to own your brokenness. You have to be honest about who you are. I already said this, but I mean, look, you're watching a lot. I don't care who you are. We're all a mess. Nobody's saying amen. You're all looking at me like, no, you speak for yourself. Hey, we're all a mess. We're all a mess. It's just a fact. We are. We are broken people. This is just the reality about who we are. And, I mean, you can disagree with me on this, but I think if you look back over the 2,000-year history of the church, wherever the church has gone wrong and gone south, I think it's because they've forgotten this truth. We are broken people desperately in need of God. That's all we are. We are broken people desperately in need of God. We are not people who are high and holy and mighty and we have it all figured out. We are broken people who are desperately in need of God. And see, what happens is, is when we forget that, we start to become arrogant. I mean, there's been so much criticism of the church because people become like the church lady, you know? They're just looking down at people because you're not living the right way. You're not, this is not what the church is about. The church is not about making everybody perfect. The church is about a relationship with God. And let's just be honest. If we were to take everybody at all our campuses, so the people in Middleville, you're pretty holy. Delton, way, way down on the holy list. But wherever you're at, any of our campuses, watching online, let's just say we all got together and we read everybody's bio and then we voted on the holiest, most moral, nicest person. Whoever you are. Wherever you're at. Here's what I know about you. You still a mess. You're still a mess. You have the same compulsions. You have the same temptations. You have the same resentments. You feel all the things everybody else struggles with. And you may do a little better in how you respond to them, but you still know that you're just one step away from screwing up things in your life any day of the week. Come on, is that true? We are a broken mess And the only way we are able to really deal with it is to first be honest about it and say, that is just who I am. The truth, this is the truth about who we are. Jesus said the truth will set you. Does anybody know? Truth will set you free. So here's the truth about you and me. We're screwed up. And I'm not saying that makes it okay. I'm just saying that's the way it is. And I think for us to deny that, to act like it's not true, to to try to put on a, a front of we've got our act together is what destroys us. You don't have your act together. You are a broken mess and you need Jesus. So that's where I think we have to start. And then that leads us to the next thing, and that is because you're a broken mess, you're going to fail. I know that. You're going you're to drop the ball at times. You're going to do things that are hurtful. You're going to act in ways that are nasty and wrong, and you're going to do stuff like that. And here's the key in all this. First of all, you own your brokenness, and then second, you just keep coming back to God. Let me tell you something. The most mature Christians I know are not the people who live the most holy lives. They are the people who are the quickest to come back to God when they screw up. Amen. They actually are the most mature Christians that I know. 
And they don't always look like they're real mature, real holy, but they are. See, you are going to fail, but here's the key. You come back to God. Do you understand that the heart of Christianity is not that we get good. The heart of Christianity is that God is good, and by his grace, we can keep coming back to him no matter how much we screw up. I'm so thankful for that. Because I've screwed up so, I mean, 41 years in ministry, and I look at my life sometimes and go, what is wrong with you? Does anybody ever feel that way? And here's the thing about Christianity, is that what's wrong with you is that you're a human being, and we're broken because we have been distanced from God. But there is grace, and the key is not that we run from God, the key is that we run to God. Do you know that the enemy... The devil, and yes, we believe there is an enemy, a spiritual force of darkness, a devil. Jesus believed that. And one of the greatest tactics that he uses to drive you away from God, this is ironic because he's called the father of lies. It's, it's not a lie, it's the truth. One of his greatest tactics is, tactics is to tell you, you are a failure and you are worthless and you are not worthy of God's love. And that is true. That's true. What he hopes is that you, in pride, go, I'm such a failure. I can't make it. I can't be what God wants. I'm not going to be good enough. I just, I give up. I remember somebody I love very much telling me at one point, he said, I've tried to live for God, but I can't do it. I'm just a failure, and I'm just done with it. And he walked away from his relationship with God. And I was like, that's not what Christianity is. The heart of Christianity is that screwed up people can keep coming back to God after they screw up. And some, of, some people listening to this might go, well, you're just, you're just abusing grace when you do that. No, you're not. That's what grace is. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve the love of God, but that's what he did. He came and gave himself for us so that we just keep coming back to God. I hear this from people sometimes. They just feel like, I just feel like I, I just, I just, what I've done, I just, I just can't go to God. Yes, you can. That is absolutely, absolutely the centerpiece of what Christianity is. It's not how good you are. It's not how seldom you fail. It is that you keep going back to God. And as you do, this is the amazing thing. As you do, you begin to grow. Some of us grow slower than others, but you grow. I love how Paul wrote about this, and, and I like the Living Bible paraphrase translation of this verse in 2 Corinthians 4. He just says, we get knocked down, but we get up again and keep going. This is what followers of Jesus do. They do make mistakes, and they do blow it. Not intentionally, always, sometimes they do it, and they know they shouldn't, and they do it anyhow. But that's not the point, is that when they fail, they get back up, and they go back to God. Amen? That's what Christianity is about, that we get back up, we acknowledge our brokenness, and then we get back up, and we keep going back to God. We just keep coming back to him, because it's not about how good you are, it's about the grace of God. And it's going to look different for different people. Look, I understand, you know, a lot of us, we just... We're in different places in our lives and we're, you know, we have different things that we fall to. It's okay, just keep going back to God. I tell you, I, I love one of the tribes I'm in. It's a, a guys group. And, you know, if I were to be brutally honest about this group, I would say that they're fairly rough around the edges. And they don't, uh, 
They don't all see eye to eye on politics. It's an interesting thing. I always feel like when somebody brings something up, like, just keep your head down. They're different in so many ways. White collar, blue collar, different levels of income, all different levels of perspective. But the thing about my group that I love, this tribe that I'm in, what I love about it is that we all know that we are broken messes and that we need God. And so we just keep encouraging each other, come back to God, come back to God, come back to God. We don't have it all figured out. We don't know, come back to God. Because Christianity is not about the perfect life. It is about a relationship with God. And if you're not part of a tribe, man, I tell just at any of our campuses, go to the next step area in the lobby. We have one here in Hastings. We've got them at every campus. And, or if you're watching online, you can go to our website or look at the comments and you can click on a link there. We'll help you find a tribe. But you need that. You need people to encourage you. You need to be a part of a church family so that you can be reminded. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. What matters is that you keep coming back to God. Amen? Amen. And if... If you're far from God, look, I, I just want to pray with you right now. I want to pray with, um, with everybody that says, I feel like at one point I did, I had a good connection with God, but I feel like I'm just so far from God. You can come back to him. You can do that today. Maybe you never made the decision to follow Jesus. You can make that choice today. And you're still going to screw up, but you can keep coming back to God because that's what grace is. So wherever you're at, if you feel like you're far from God, but you were close or you've never made that connection, let's bow our heads at all our campuses right now. And just pray. And you just, it's something like this. You just say, God, I cannot do it without you. It doesn't have to be complicated. I cannot do this without you. I need you in my life. And then just say to him, Jesus, I give you my heart. Just tell him, Jesus, I give you my heart. I come or maybe come back to you right now. Pray that. And for every person who's prayed that, God, I pray now as you honor that, as you work in their hearts, as you move, that they would begin to be increasingly aware of your love and your grace and your goodness. We pray your blessing on their lives, on every person who made a decision to follow you for the first time or to come back and recommit to you. We pray your blessing on their lives. And all the rest of us at all our campuses, we just say, yay, God, for people making decisions for Christ. Yay, God. Yay, God. So now, Holy Spirit, as we worship together, help us to just stay in connection with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tvcweb.com.